The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Somebody shout amen. amen. You may be seated. How are you doing this morning? Uh, this morning, uh, we're just going to continue where we uh, stopped yesterday. Hopefully, we'll be able to cover some of the materials today. And end on time, considering the fact that we're coming back in the evening. So, we, we're talking about pressing on. Somebody say pressing on. Uh, I told you yesterday that to press on means to continue doing something in a determined way in spite of challenges in order to, and in, in order to press effectively, there are certain weights that you will need to lay aside. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Wherefore, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us. So yesterday, we dealt with the weight of earthly things. By the way, can we go on our Facebook pages and share the, can we share the, the live stream right now? Let's do that right now. Get the word out to the nations. Can we do it? So yesterday we dealt with the weight of earthly things. The weight of earthly things. And talking about earthly things is not just talking about material things. But beyond that, it involves, you know, things that have to do with this place. Things that don't trans transcend beyond this place I talked about, including marriage, including having a family, including your career, etc. This morning, I want to start with the weight of performance. The weight of performance. You know, People often get under pressure because they think they are not doing enough. The weight of performance. And if you understand the covenant you and I are under, you realize you have no business being under this weight. Can you, is it possible to, to, to bring this down? Let me come down. Let me, let me be much closer to you. Say after me, say, I have no business having the weight of performance. 
you have no business. You have no business being under the weight of what? Performance. Because you have literally been moved out of the covenant that was focused or that is focused on performance to a new covenant which is now focused on what was performed on your behalf. The weight of what? Performance. People get under pressure because they, they want to perform, they want to do something. And a lot of times, preachers are not helping because a lot of preachers cannot differentiate between the old covenant and the new covenant. Now, we're not trying to raise a bunch of lazy people, but the understanding that the basic performance was done by Jesus is what actually puts you in a position to perform well. Are you listening to me? The weight of what? Performance, the weight of effort. What you have to do. And you have to do this, you have to do that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you know, that does not help you. It gets you all, you know, pressured, but not necessarily fruitful. You must learn to take your eyes off your effort and focus on what Jesus finished. Say with me, say, my eyes are off my effort, rather, my, 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 my focus is on Jesus and what he finished. Come on, give me some rest. It's on Jesus and what Jesus finished. The weight of what? Performance. is a terrible weight. And for you to be able to do this, you must be established in the grace of God. In the grace of God. In the grace of God. We've been, I've been teaching on grace for a while now. And you know, but you can never teach excessively on grace. Grace is the way of life. Unmerited favor. Somebody did everything for you and only called you in to receive it. So there's a consciousness of, of grace that makes, you know, makes it possible for you to run your race effectively. So you don't put attention on your effort, but rather you put attention on what? On what Jesus has finished for you. And there are a few things that are very, very critical where being established in grace is concerned. First of all, you must know that God loves you unconditionally. Hello, somebody. Say with me, say God loves me unconditionally because that's what grace rests on. The love of God which is unconditional. And you must also know that there's a gift of righteousness that is so important for you to receive, for the grace of God to flow in your direction. So, take it, literally, what I'm saying this morning is that you must learn how to receive grace. Romans chapter 5, verse 17 says, If by one man's offense, death to him, how much more they which have received abundance of grace, and the gift of righteousness. So grace must be received. But, but for grace to, to really flow in that abundant measure that God desires, there is a gift that accompanies that grace. 
is called the gift of righteousness. Your standing with God, which is not based on what you have done, what you are doing, or what you do, but really, but, but simply, is based on what Jesus did. The ways of performance. Don't ever, you know, get yourself to a point that you, you begin to, to get depressed because you feel you are not doing enough. Because thinking like that it does not make you productive. It does not improve you. Just wait down. I need to do more. I need to, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you can't drive yourself like that unless you want to drive yourself to death. But the ability to just, just receive what Jesus has done and to see what Jesus has done as enough. Say with me, say, I rest in what Jesus did. And I believe what he did is enough. Somebody say, is enough. I rest in what Jesus did. And I believe what he did was what? Is enough. Grace literally rides on the wheel of, of the gift of righteousness. And grace focuses on the supplies of God more than the demand that are on you. Oh, I need to do this. I need. No, 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 no. Just focus on the fact that the supply is waiting. And that supply will take care of me. It will take care of whatever, whatever I need done. You're running a race. You, 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 you want to press on and fulfill you know, that, that high calling that God has placed on your life in Christ Jesus. But you don't do it by driving yourself. But you get it done by receiving from him. And what do you receive? You receive abundance of grace and what? The gift of righteousness. Say after me, say, I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus, I think like it. I talk like it. I act like it. I carry myself like it. And I expect things to get done because I'm in right standing with God. It's not what I do. That qualifies me is what he did. So your understanding and your establishment in righteousness is so critical. You know, very, very, very important. Grace focuses on God's supply as opposed to the demand on humanity. Authentic greatness is by grace. I am what I am by the grace of God. And of course, this grace has to be received by faith. You have to believe it. Grace is wasted until faith is applied. I receive it. You know, as great, as efficient, as powerful as grace is, if it's not received, it's a waste. God has made the provision, but you must receive it. So on a daily basis, you receive grace. Say with me, say, I receive grace to run my race. I, re I receive grace to be efficient. I receive grace to be productive. There's a consciousness of, you know, grace is available. And I'm working in it. I'm manifesting it. And that grace will help me to be productive. You know, that consciousness, when you wear that consciousness, your productivity, your effectiveness, your efficiency goes to the new level. Are you following this morning? So it's so important. You receive that grace and um, um, purpose deliberately. 
And of course, we've talked about the fact that prayer is a position for grace. Why do we pray? We pray because we are dependent on grace. If we don't need grace, then there's no point praying. Just wake up and start running around. But we don't do that. We spend time with God in prayer because that is a position of dependency on grace. You are literally saying, God, I'm weak in myself. I need your supply. I need your supply. So having said that, on the weight of performance, let me move to the next one. The weight of your past. Let us run the race set before us, laying aside every weight. The weight of what? Your past. Your past can be a weight. Especially your bad past. You know, the, you know, there are people that disqualify themselves from the assignment and the mission and the purpose of God for their lives because they feel, boy, what I've done in time past. <laughs> Listen, gentlemen, your past must not stop you. If there was anyone that should have allowed his past to stop him, that should have been Paul. Anybody agree with me? His past was terrible. He was a murderer. He just recently killed Stephen before his own conversion. Should I say, you know what? This preaching business, this, you know, fulfilling this purpose thing is not going to work. It's not for me. Do you know my record? But you know what he said in Philippians chapter 3? He said, forgetting the things which are what? Behind. Put the past behind. Who am I talking to this morning? Put the past behind. God does not check your past record before giving you assignments. Put your past behind. Stop wearing your past. Stop wearing your mistake. Are you listening to me? His messes are new every morning. There's no way you will focus on your past and you will run your race effectively. A lot of people are stumbling all the time because they are not looking ahead, they are looking behind. Have you noticed your car has a small mirror designated for rear view? And you have a huge screen in front of you to see what is ahead of you. If at all you're going to look at the past, look at the past from the point of, oh, let's appreciate God for the past and move past the past. Of course, you can learn from the past too. But don't live in your past. Who am I talking to? Don't live in your past. And let, don't, don't, give the devil, don't, don't give the devil the room to harass you because of your past. If he brings up your past, bring up his future. Oh, come on. You did, did you hear me? If he brings up your past, what do you do? You bring up his future. He said, you know what you did? He said, you know what is going to happen to you? You're going to rot in hell. Literally. You're going to do what? Rot in hell. So get behind me. And in fact, stay behind me. Don't even come. Please don't mess up. I have a huge future before me. How dare you bring up my past? So don't allow your, your past, you know, mistake, mess, you know, heralds to stop you. Just because you failed before does not mean you're going to fail again. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. 
you have a capacity in God to excel. So stop wearing your past. I can't do it. I can't do it. In fact, that's a phrase you should never put on your mouth. I can do all things. Say with me, say, I can do all things. Through Christ that strengthens me. I'm talking about running your race effectively. The past that you need to put behind is not just the bad past. What about the good past? Have you ever met somebody who is just so married with his past? You can't divorce that past. Eh? Ah! When we were in federal government college, there was a move of God. What happened to that move? It disappeared. God is still moving. You know, a lot of people have not been able to embrace a bigger future because they are too, they are too connected to their, you know, you know, their, their, their good past. But God says it can be better. Now, thank God for the successes of the past, but don't, don't live there. Move on. It's not even healthy. Every time you want to talk about the past, you can say, ah, it was great. There's a God of the future that wants to take you further, I mean, make you bigger, you know, do greater things in your life. Somebody shout, amen. amen. So the weight of the past, don't wear it. Don't allow your past to define your future. Anticipate a more glorious future, no matter how successful you are in the past. So it's not just the bad past. Even the successes you have in the past, make sure you don't let them stop you from having a better future. You are only allowed to see the past from the angle of thanksgiving and not attachment. Thank God that at least I have another opportunity to do it right. And thank God for the things I did right already in the past. Because now I can do it what? Better. So you relate with your past from what? The angle of what? Thanksgiving, not attachment. Past record can be a weight. Let's look at a, a few scriptures. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 18. The weight of the past. Isaiah chapter 43. Are we there? He says, do not remember the former things. I don't know if you know that's an instruction. Do not. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, do not remember the former things. He said, no, consider. What does it mean to consider? It means to pay attention to. No, pay attention to the things of the old. You know, there's no way you'll be that attached to the old that you will get the new. Just driving back to the past all the time. When there's a lot waiting for you in the future. Don't do that. Especially in the area of failures of the past. I'm going to pray for people at the end of this meeting. People that have had issues in the past and because of that, they can't move past that past. I declare in the name of Jesus, I see you receiving deliverance from the effect of the past this morning. You just realize you, there are certain things you can't do just because of, 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 of a picture of an image of the past that the devil keeps on showing in your future. 
I've been showing in your face. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of what? Of the old. He said, behold, I will do a new thing. Anybody interested in a new thing? I feel an anointing of a new thing this morning. Is somebody interested in a new thing? Uh, come on. I say, is somebody interested in a new thing? And there's something you need to know about God. is a God of restoration. And when God restores, he does not just bring it back to how it was before it was damaged. He will make sure it's far better than it was. I'm anticipating new things. In fact, get on your feet, everybody. And say, say, I will not allow the past to weigh me down. I will not allow the disappointments of the past to weigh me down. I have a future in God. I'm running my race. I'm going all the way to fulfill the goal, the higher goal in Christ Jesus upon my life. Somebody shout amen. The shame of the past. Get over it. God specializes in using people with funny past. And he turns things around. And what should have been a, a, a source of shame now become a source of encouragement. You know, it brings you to a point that you can share your past with pride. Who has not failed before? The same Moses that was so celebrated in the Old Testament, his first ministry, ministry expression was a failure. The same person that came and said, let my people go. The first time he tried it, what happened? He ran for his life. But God did not give up on him. He appeared to him in a burning bush. He said, you know what? You're going back to the same place. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to. God says you are going back to the same place. That very idea that I gave to you, you are going back. That your church struggled in that location for so long, but you are going back, you're going to have outreaches there. Who am I talking to? You made a, miss, a few mistakes and it didn't work out, but you know what? You're going to go back and excel this time around. Is somebody ready to excel? Divorce the past. Don't allow your past to define you. Don't allow your past to put that label of failure on you. And there's something that the past carries. It's called shame. The past has gone, but the shame still remains. I'm not even know what I'm talking about. You are still swimming in that shame. But this morning, I declare everyone who is under the influence of the shame of the past failures, I declare you are delivered today. Shake off the faith. Shake it off. When you have restoration, how can you allow shame to stop you? He's a God of restoration. I say he's a God of restoration. I am restored. Come on, scream and say, I am restored. You may be seated. Very, very important. Very, very important. Don't give your past the right to lead your life. Don't give what your past, the, what the right to lead your life, including the successes of the past. Don't allow the past to now be the, the record. Say, so, oh, I've been holding this record for the last 10 years. You should be setting new records. 
the path of the righteous is like a shining light. It shines brighter and brighter. Onto a what? Onto a what? A perfect day. The weight of the past. Philippians chapter 3. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3 before we move to the next. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 13 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do. One thing I do. One thing I do. One thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forward. You now, you will not be able to reach forward until you learn to forget. Forget. You will not be able to use your imagination if you are too busy with your memory. <laughs> your mind is not just meant for remembrance. Is also meant for creating. <laughs> when you can launch into the future, what are you doing? Replaying an old message. Sit down there and you are thinking about your life. When you are supposed to be imagining a better future. Hmm. People that run their race effectively and people that will finish their course are people that will not allow their past to you know, weigh them down. Somebody say with me, say, I shake off my past. I don't know who I'm talking to. It might even be marriage. Why did I marry her? But you married her. Say, Lord, you're a God of restoration. You can still do something with this. Are you listening to me? And if we do something, there's a solution in God. I should not have moved, but you moved. So the question is, what do we do with the rest of your life? And God, let, let me tell you something about God. God is God. And that's why your mistake cannot stop him. <laughs> He's too God to be stuck by your miss. He has a way of making something good out of your mess. And that's why a lot of people with past mess end up with a new message. <laughs> Did you hear that? Past mess now has become their what? New message. Past mess has now become their what? New message. So God is not stuck with your past. So don't allow yourself to be stuck with what? Your past. I want to reach forward to the things which are ahead. But before I can reach forward, I must learn to what? Forget the past. It says, Your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Because he notes the memory of your mess will hinder your future. He said, I will cleanse it. If God is saying, I'm going to cleanse your mess. What are you doing keeping your mess? In fact, cleanse your mess so much that when people want to bring it up, you're like, really? I can't remember it. I've moved past it. I will not allow the shame of what the past. Somebody said, I had a child before I got married. Then what? 
pick yourself up. Run into your future. Are you listening to me? I'm not finished. I will not be held back by my past. There's a future ahead of me. Anybody with a great future ahead of me? Come on, where are the people this morning? Where are they? The people whose future is so huge, so mighty. You know, you are there wallowing in you. Know, I wish that church had grown faster. And then it didn't grow faster then, but it can grow now. I wish that business has done better. It didn't do so well because you are not that wise then, but now you are wiser now. Then pick it up. Pick up your life. I start running towards that destination God has for you. You're holding on to the past. Amen. There is a huge future waiting for you. Don't allow the past to stop your future. Say with me, say, my past will not stop my future. Let's look at the case of Moses. Moses' failure looked like a grand failure. The boy raised in palace. Now wanted to help his people and ended up being what? Embarrassed. His own people rejected him. He had to run into the bush. And for the next 40 years, he was working with animals in the bush. His plan was to help people. Now he ended up leading animals. But you know, after 40 years, God showed up and said, Moses, you are not finished. Oh, who am I talking to this morning? Moses, you are what? You are not what? You are not finished. Lift up your two hands and shout, I am not finished. Say, you are not what? Finished. I don't know who the Lord is speaking to this morning. God says, you are not finished. 80 year old man, you are not finished. I'm not finished with you. You know what? You are still going to go. You are still going to go back to that same project you tried to do the first time in your strength that you failed. This time around, I'm the one that, that is backing you. Let my people go. Did he succeed the second time? He succeeded. Don't you never say neighbor? Get ready to go back to the places where you failed before. Because this time around, you're going to succeed. Somebody shout, amen. amen. What about Isaac? Isaac started digging the wells of his father. And each time he dug, they filled it up. He dug, he dug it the first time. was filled up. The second time, it was what? But you know, he dug until nobody could stop him. And there was real what? Some of you, you stopped too soon. Who am I talking to? Go back. Go back. You will succeed. And I was talking to a friend yesterday and we were talking about a pastor that quit pastoring. And now from pastoring, he's a public speaker. My friend said, I don't know. I, I said, I don't. What kind of revelation is that? Fine. Maybe you are not in the right city. Are you listening to me? Maybe your method is a wrong method. But for you to now relegate yourself from a preacher of the gospel to a public speaker, there's something wrong with you. Pick up your life. I can understand I need some time. But to now say I'm off ministry. 
It's a dangerous decision. What have you abandoned? Because of a past failure. Pick it up. Now, it's a different thing if that was never your calling. But if it's your calling, don't quit. Say with me, say, I will not quit. I will not cave in. I will not walk away from that very thing that God has called me to do. My mind is made up. And with the help of God, I'm going all the way to fulfill the mandate of God for my life. If you believe that, come on, shout amen. amen. So you have to, you know, take care of what's the weight of what your past. Number four, can I say I'm moving at a jet at the speed of what? Speed of light today. Weight of wrong association. Weight of weight of what? Wrong association. Now, listen, relationship is defined or is designed by God to complement your destiny. Any relationship that magnifies your weakness is a wrong relationship. <laughs> Let's say you had, you had a drinking problem before and God has been helping you. You now met this new friend. And within weeks of becoming friends, <laughs> your drinking problem is back. What is the message? What is the message? That is a wrong friend. It's called wrong what? Association. I'm trusting God that after this conference, people will sit down and they, they will analyze their lives. And mine properly aligned where my association is concerned because it's a major way. You know, I've come, I've come to see something over the years in ministry. People that excel, a lot of times they excel together with their friends. Yeah. Acts chapter 4 says they went back to what? Their company. Your company can ground you or release you. You must evaluate relationship every time. Is this relationship complementary to my destiny? Is it supplying strength? Is it giving advantage? Or is it releasing my weakness? <laughs> is it exposing my destiny or covering my destiny? He's my friend. He's my friend. We grew up together. Friendship should be, you know, it should be something that improves your destiny. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, iron sharpens iron. You need an iron to sharpen your iron so that you will not end up with a blunt destiny. There are people that God will assign to come into your life to take you to another level. And there are people that the enemy will send into your life to, to derail your destiny. I declare over everyone listening to me or watching by the way of live stream this morning, I declare your destiny will not be derailed. I say your destiny will not be derailed. I declare one more time, I say your destiny will not be derailed. It's so important. Relationships. 
wrong association. Someone says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the godly, nor stand in the way of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. To run your race effectively, to move into the fullness of what God has called you to do, so that you'll be able to say at the end of the day, I have finished my course. You must run with the right set of people. You need a company of people that will supply strength to you. People that will encourage your heart. People that will strengthen your heart. People that you can drive together into your future. Not a bunch of people that will magnify your weakness. You don't need that. Are you following me? You must align based on the proof of the blessing. If you ask Lot, I mean, Lot will tell you a story. If you get, I mean, some of you, you know, when you get to heaven, just schedule some time with Lot. Say, Lot, let's talk. What's going, what, what went wrong? Lot will tell you, I was stupid. Genesis chapter 13, verse 2. Abraham was very rich in silver, in gold, and in what? Cattles. Verse 5, Genesis chapter 13. And so also, Lot was very rich. Now, it was not Lot that had covenant with God. Who had covenant with God? But by virtue of association, Lot got the overflow. Lot also. Just because Lot associated rightly. Rightly. You know, there are cases, there are so many cases of people that their destiny have been stuck today just because of the person they were rolling with. Go to the prison and you realize a good number of people that are in prison today are there because of their friends. They say, I didn't, I didn't do anything. But you are rolling with the person that did something. So when it was time to apprehend that fellow, you were in his company. And your apprehension, the apprehension became what? Your apprehension. Are you listening to me? So you became guilty by association. And they are also, now look at Lot. Lot became blessed by association. God did not call him. In fact, God told his uncle, leave everybody. But he took him along. And look at what happened to him. Everything that was on Abraham moved into his life. Blessed is the man that walking not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of the sinner, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. Blessed, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, nor stand in the way of the sinners. So the blessing can be enhanced or compromised by association. So, friendship should not be by sentiment. <laughs> if there's no proof of the blessing, then... Thank you. How are you doing? I, you've not come around for a while. I've been very, very busy. Are you not busy? I've been busy with my destiny. So... You need to realize that very, very importantly. You are lying based on the proof of the blessing. Don't allow sentiment to compromise your prophecy. Protect your divine relationship and stay away from strife and offense. That was what finished Lot. God aligned him 
and he allowed strife to stop him. Are you listening to me? The headsman. The headsman problem has been around for a long time. Oh, you didn't get it. It was the headsman. They were the ones that finished lot. <laughs> headsman. The headsman of lot. He actually used with what? So the headsman has always been violent. As a revelation. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Proverbs 13, verse 20. For some of you, you need to be prayed for because you need help to break off certain relationship. So I will pray for you today. That God will give you that capacity to walk away. Yeah, I know I need to walk away, but I can't. Especially in the area of marriage. How many times have, you see, have we seen young men that knew that the person had issues? And he said, but he said, Pastor, at least somebody has to marry her. Does it have to be you? <laughs> you marry by pity. Says somebody, and she's not that bad though. There are times when she cools down. Ah. So every day of your marriage, you'll be praying, Lord, let her head cool today. Today, you know. Run. You are not a pastor or his pastor. His pastor has the responsibility to stick with him. But you. In terms of life partner, you have a right to run and break the relationship with dignity. Um, I don't think it will work. His heart was broken. His heart will be mended. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20. He said, who he works with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Can you see? Your association can destroy you. I didn't say it. The scripture says it. Your association can make you excellent and your association can literally what? Destroy you. So there is a weight of association. There are people that are not running their race the way they should be running today because of the association. I mean, I remembered secondary school. Do you know there were people that their grades improved? Just because they made new friends. Anybody can, can you remember that in secondary school? Even university. Some people joined your discussion groups and they started making B. Before, it was what? It was F. And there are also cases of people that they move from A to D. Because as they I experienced it in Form 4. Those days. I became a table tennis player. Ping pong everywhere. Boom, 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 boom. I was supposed to be one of the best students in that class. All of a sudden, my results started smelling. Started smelling. Smelling. Started smelling. Do you know what made me to wake up? My dad, you know, those days, you know, those are, those are the pre-SSS days. You know, God bless the SSS generation. 
we did form one to form five. So, you know, I was in form four. And, you know, normally the brilliant students, they, they, they take their GC before the, the WAHEC. You know, so you would, have, you would have done your GC in form four. So by the time you are doing WAHEC, you are just, you have cleared your GC already. WAHEC is just, okay, maybe we can improve on some of the grades. So where you had A3, now you can take it to A1. So I was supposed to be one of those students, one of the few students that I expected to do well in that GC preceding what? WAHEC. So it was already said to that I'm going to do that GC. <coughs> so my dad came to school to pick me up to go to the WAHEC office to pick up the form. So he just happened to stop by the principal office. Well, the person said, oh, Mr. Jason, what did you come to do? He said, oh, my son wants to register for work, and I want to pick him up. So I just said, let's just say, let's say oh, let's even see his past result. Because they had not released it officially. So I said, let's see his last time result. By the time the result was opened, the book of life was opened. And there was a decoration of P. P7, P8. They still do P these days, or they, they don't do. Then it was P7, P8. Ah! I don't think there was a single A. So my dad just said, thank you, sir. And turned back and went home. So when I got home that day, I said, dad, you were supposed to come. He said, sit down. I said, this is not GC. It's not, it's not, it's not even an issue of GC. It's an issue of... <laughs> <laughs> you need help. And he showed me my result. And I knew what caused it. It was association. There was a group I was moving with before. I moved into a new group. Of people that were playing table tennis all over the neighborhood. People that were rolling dice. Uh, we did all now. We rolled dice, you know. Coins, head or tail. Oh, mana, you know, and I lost it. But I woke up because it marked my mind when all my friends were sitting for GC and I could not. So I had to, I had to repackage myself, moved out of that association and moved into a new association. And by the time the WIAC result came out, yeah, I showed them. Chai, I said, I'm back. So it was a wake-up call. Are you listening to me? Some of you need what? A wake-up call. This is not you. Some of you, you were on campus, you were on fire, now you left campus and you changed groups. All of a sudden, you know, your, 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 your taste has changed. The things of the spirit have now become burning. All you want now is motivational tips. Just give me motivational tips to move, out, to move further in life. God is not that difficult, you know. Association. Somebody say, my association will not weigh down my destiny. Somebody shall remain. Number five, the weight of ambition. Mm-hmm. The weight of what? The weight of what? You know, the word ambition does not sound too bad. In fact, I remember high school days, 
Some people were called NFA. What's even NFA? No future ambition. So you are expected to have what? An ambition. You know, you have an ambition for your life. So the word ambition does not sound too bad. But in the context of God's plan, that word is dangerous. We are not ambitious people. Because we know we are not sufficient on our own, in ourselves. We acknowledge him in all our ways and he directs our path. We don't assume we know in ourselves, by ourselves. We commune with God. We are led by God. We listen to God. We are directed by God. It's not life for us. It's not just about what I want to do. There is a weight of ambition. A lot, I mean, there's a lady. She's supposed to be my daughter. But she's lost. The last time I saw her, she doesn't look like my daughter again. Because ambition has repackaged her. I remember on campus those days, on fire. But now, ice water. No, that's ice water. Block, ice block. That's, it has frozen. And what got her there? And Ambition. I want to be successful. I want to do this. Now, is God saying you will not be successful? Because of ambition, she has become, you know, cold to the things of God. She has relegated the call of God upon her life. Ambition. In fact, it's for people called into ministry is a number one weight. Ambition. All of a sudden, you, you, you start to see people making up plans like, you know what? You know, I know I'm still going to do ministry. But first, I need to make money first. Uh, uh, I need to what? Make money first. Really? I'm being responsible. No, you are not being responsible. You are being carnal. You don't, you don't get it. Are you saying God cannot take care of you? Are you listening to me? Are you saying God cannot what? Take care of you? Are you saying, you know, trusting God is going to make you broke? So now you have to think for God? It's about being practical. No, it's about being carnal. Let me show you a few scriptures. So that it won't look like I'm making it up. The weight of what? Ambition. Ambition is simply promoting your personal agenda. It's a promotion of what? Personal agenda. It speaks of a desire to achieve or succeed. Your personal desire to what? To achieve or what? Succeed. Success as God intends must be centered around his purpose. For your life and not a mere desire. I don't care if you have eight bedroom house in what's the most expensive island? It's Banana Island, right? Banana Island. Even if it's Orange Island, I don't care. Listen, if God's plan for you is to be somewhere else in a room and parlor, you are better off. Can I be real? 
What's your ambition? Your ambition is to travel abroad. Could it, is it possible that your destiny is not abroad? What are you going to be doing abroad? God gave you as an idea. No, 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 no. The suffering is too much in Nigeria. I need breakthrough. You say, Pastor, you can't talk. Didn't you come from there? Did I go there to make money? I've not worked for a, a soul a single day since I stepped my, my feet in America. Nobody has ever paid me a dime in terms of salary. So please don't compare yourself to me. I did not send myself there. He sent me there. I'm there as a missionary. Now I'm not saying there are people that God will not have it planned for them to go abroad. But it's not everybody. And some of you, being refused visa is the will of God. In fact, it's the mercy of God that made sure that visa did not go through. Because if that visa had gone through, your, your destiny would have been trapped. Do you know that same place you are aspiring to go? A season will come if you are in the will of God. You will go there at will and come back. And you will look at people living there with, say, ah, you people, you are suffering. Oh, I don't know how you are doing it. Oh, I can come and visit you. I can come and do vacation with you. But I can't live like this. This life is a low life. Your high life is connected to God's purpose. Ambition is what? A terrible thing. Promoting your what? Your personal agenda without considering God's intent for your life. Consecration to God's purpose with the mind of the weight of ambition. If there's a prayer you should pray every time, it's called the prayer of what? Consecration. That prayer goes this way. So, Lord, I'm not saying I know you at all. So I consciously consecrate myself to your plan and your purpose. And you know when you start doing that, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by God. God will lead you to where you are supposed to go to. And the doors that are supposed to be shut, he will shut it for you. To protect your destiny. Let's look at a few scriptures. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. There's someone there that you need to study about his ways. Verse 12. Isaiah chapter 14 from verse 12. He said, how you are fallen from heaven, Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are caught down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. Verse 15. Yet you shall be brought down to, to hell, to the lowest depths of the pit. I will. I will. Listen. That's, look, at, look at where it landed Lucifer. Lucifer was a well-decorated archangel. He was a cherubim. He was beautiful. 
but because he became dissatisfied with God's placement. He had desires that were not consistent with his design. Write it down. Your desire must line up with your design. To desire what is not in your design is to set yourself up. The trap. Just because you want it does not make it part of your design. Don't assume. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will what? Direct your path. What is God's plan for you? And you know, let me link this to association. And that's where association comes in also. Because some people, the desire they have is was transplanted through association. They started working with the people they should never have worked with before. You know, some people destroy their marriage like that. All of a sudden, the man that satisfied them became an irritation now. Because they are moving with some high class, new level, new generation, new age women now that have opened their eyes. So they woke up. And all of a sudden, they are telling them, boy, wake up. Because they have woken up. What used to satisfy them now irritates them. They have all manner of desires for things they should not be desiring. Ambition. I will. I want to do this. I want to. Now, this is a dangerous place to be. There's such a thing as God putting desires in your heart. Say, so if you delight yourself in the Lord, then I will what? I will give you the desires of what? Of your heart. Which means the desire that I implant in your heart. The desires that are consistent with your design. That's what you should live for. Not just aspiring things that are not consistent with your design. Lucifer got into trouble because he aspired for what was not in his desire. I declare in the name of Jesus, if you are here, you're already getting distracted, looking at things you should not be looking at, desiring things that should not be desiring. I declare supernaturally those things are withered of your life right now. There are certain desires that need to be what? Killed. Just kill it. Stab it. They are from hell. They are distractions. Kill it. Stab it. Bury it. Is it a bad thing to want something good? It can be a bad thing. I will show you. Because the mere fact that it's good for A does not mean it's good for B. A, the, the purpose of A is not the purpose of B. So I want something good for myself too. No. Is it part of your design? Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. Are you getting blessed this morning? I want to release you on time because of the meeting tonight. So I'm very, very conscious of time. It says there is a way that seems right. Can you see it? He said it does not look outrightly bad. It does not look like this is the devil at work. In fact, it feels like ah, he can be God. Though. It seems what? Right. 
He said, but his end is the way of death. So many destinies have been trapped this way. They started living their life by what? Ambition. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. So I said, what am I supposed to do? What about consecrating yourself to God? What about taking time to pray on it before you start running with it? What about submitting it to authorities around you? Because one of the ways God speaks to you is through authorities. The authorities around you, they feel there's something. But you say, no, no, no. This is, relax. Ambition can stop you from running effectively. Some people are running in a direction totally different from the direction of God for their life. They have embraced a plan that was never their plan. There's a way that seems right, but he's saying it's the way of what? Death. Go to Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 25. You will see the same scripture there. Proverbs 16, 25. Are you there? So there's a way that seems right to a man. So it looks like it's the right way. You are so sure. How many times have people come to us and say, I'm sure? And the moment you're like, some of them will leave church. So they will call you controlling. I'm sure. Sure of what? Remember several years ago, somebody came to Chicago and said, I'm sure this is the man I'm supposed to marry. I said, this one. This one. There's no man in this one. I don't know, but he loves me. I don't want to get going to the story, but it's been a very sad story. Looking back, I wish she had listened. This one. I don't even need to pray about it. Nobody should marry him. Until God does a major work on him. Like this. You marry this, you marry mess. And I've been proven right. It's been a messy relationship. So messy that I can't even start it now. Because if I start it, it will derail my, it will derail my message. It's too messy. And it could have been avoided. I wish she had listened. It seemed right. She he said all the right things. But you know, when you are already carried away, somebody who is over you has the ability to look and see what you are not seeing. And tell you, you are not seeing right. It seems right, but it's not right. Say with me, say, the mere fact that it seems right does not make it right. It's one thing to seem right. It's another thing to be what? Right. You need to have something right. Not something that seems what? Right. Let me give you one more and I will be done. Have you been blessed so far? Let me give you a scripture. Proverbs 3.6 Proverbs 3.6 is in all your ways and he shall direct your path. The last word I'm going to be sharing with you this afternoon is what I call, this morning we're still in the morning, is what I call the weight of affliction. The weight of what? Affliction. 
How many times have I seen people thrown off course because of what? Affliction, challenges, issues of life. I wish I could promise you this morning that, you know, as a Christian, there will not be issues. I wish, but if I promise you as such, I would be lying to you. Because John chapter 16, verse 33 says, In this world, you shall have what? Tribulations. Are you listening to me? In this world, can we say it together? Say, in this world, there will be tribulations. Do you know the reason? Because you are living in an imperfect world. You are living in a falling world. The best government still have issues. So I say, I know a country, there's no corruption. You are lying. There's corruption everywhere. It's just that there are measures to corruption. There's corruption in Chicago. In fact, we're known for it. There's corruption in the United States. There's corruption on every level. Are you listening to me? So stop lying to yourself. Because I know that's the reason why some people want to check. Say, oh, let me go to a place where everything works. There's no place where everything works. Of course, some places have developed their systems better. But there's no such thing as a place where everything works. In this world, there will be imperfection. There will be challenges. There will be issues to deal with. Something will go wrong at one time or the other. Write it down. Something will go wrong at one time or the other. Just because something is going wrong does not mean you should lose you. Weight of afflictions. There will always be afflictions. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm 34, it said many are the afflictions of the righteous. So being righteous does not exempt you from afflictions. Things go wrong. Things that you didn't plan for. Now you have to deal with it. Weights of affliction. Weights of affliction. How many times have we seen Christians that repackage themselves because of affliction? They change their direction. They change their song. Their persuasion changed. Their conviction was revealed. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 4 verse 17, it said, an affliction arose for the word's sake. <laughs> this is very, very interesting. In fact, it sounds like it was the word that the person is sticking to or standing on that now brought the affliction. <laughs> I thought the word is supposed to keep you away from affliction. But now, it was the word that you had, the word you believed, the word you are ready to run with. The pure word from the Lord that brought affliction to try the word. Now, listen, the problem is this. When affliction comes, a lot of us cannot, we, we, we can't design appropriately. If you know how to design, you will know the affliction did not come for you. It came for the word. They let the word be tried. And see if the word will fail. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Let the word be tried. The word has a proven record. It delivers all the time. Get on your feet. Affliction will always come. Let the word be tried. The word has what it takes. 
to come out on top. But you take it personal. I'm going through so much. The words we deal with the affliction. Because it was the word that the affliction came for. Let the word do what he knows what to do. Do what, what he knows to do. With what? The affliction. And that's why, that's why you can afford to be a surface believer. Who just heard the word and got excited and ran out with the word. No substance. No root. <laughs> just getting excited over a revelation. A revelation that has not been formed. It's dangerous. Because Jesus talking about the parable of the sower. He talks about the seed that fell by the wayside. Satan stole it immediately. Talked about the one that fell. On what? On stoning ground. Because there was no room for root. No room for what? Root. There was a test. And there was no root. And because there was no root, that was the end of the seed. But there's something about when the word of God settles in with understanding by revelation. Affliction will come and you will raise up your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Because the word works. The word delivers. The word wins. And you keep on living your life like nothing has happened. In fact, you look at the affliction and you're like, this light affliction, which is bought for a moment, work it for us. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When you do a test and you do well, you get promoted. So that affliction is an opportunity for your promotion. Affliction cannot stop me. Because I have the word that is wired to deal with the affliction. And in the first place, the affliction came for the word. The affliction came so that the word can prove itself. And the word will deliver. Did you get something from that? I'm going through a lot. Let the word go through it. Not you. Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 16. Lift up your Bible. Let's read it together. Project it. The weight of affliction. You see some people, they have been repackaged by affliction. This will pass away. This will pass away. I said this will pass away. I said this will pass away. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. He says, therefore, we do not lose that. Hmm. Because the purpose of affliction is to make you lose that. The singular purpose of affliction is discouragement. Hey, 
I love what 1 Samuel chapter 30 says, verse 5. It says, and David encouraged. Ah, that's where courage is needed. Courage. But it takes root to have courage. People without root will be discouraged. Hmm. We do not lose that. The Amplified says we do not become discouraged. Utterly spiritless. Exhausted and wearied out. Even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. What a perspective. Do you know what Paul was going through here? He was being beaten. <laughs> Literally. And look at his interpretation. He said, ah, <laughs> my spirit is untouchable. <laughs> In fact, my spirit, my spirit is firing off. What a perspective. Somebody would have been packed in one corner and said, look at my life. Look at my life. <laughs> Did I do anything wrong by entering full-time ministry? Thank God. God has already prepared him from day one. He said, we suffered many things for my name's sake. The inward man is being renewed day by day. Verse 17. For our light. Hey. Perspective. Our light affliction. Our light affliction. The amplifier says for our light momentary affliction. And he puts it in bracket. This light distress of the passing hour is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory. Verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, God says, take your eyes off the seen. Put your eyes on the unseen. Put your eyes on what I promise you. Put your eyes on my covenant. My covenant will deliver. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost right now. Because somebody is being set free. The enemy has been distracting you for the last few months. Because of the different things going on in your life. He's been messing up with your business. Messing up with your career. Messing up with your marriage. And all of a sudden you are losing yourself. You are thinking the affliction. But God says stop thinking the affliction. It's time to think my word. Think my promise. Think my assurance. It's time to encourage yourself in the law. Because the affliction has not come to stay. It will pass away. It's a slight affliction is a light affliction David and his men came to Siglag in 1 Samuel chapter 30 only to realize that all their wives all their sons all their daughters had been taken captives the Bible says and they wept until there was no tears <coughs> to come out have you ever wept like that before hopefully not they wept. Then I have a while. And their face became dry. After a while, David picked himself together. Somebody needs to pick up himself this morning. He picked up himself. He says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. You cannot encourage yourself by yourself. 
<laughs> That's why you have the partnership of the Holy Spirit. Your encourager, your comforter, your counselor. The reason why he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you is because he knows you will need him. He knows what was coming. So he said, that's why I'm going to send my spirit to you. You will need me. So whenever you are faced with something that seems bigger than you, turn to your bigger partner. I need encouragement. I need encouragement. Rest in the Lord. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Stir up yourself. Look away from that affliction. Set your gaze on Jesus. And you know, after David was encouraged, then he knew what to do. Because in that state of discouragement, you can't do anything. I'm not even know what I'm talking about. You are in despair, hopelessness. Finish. Finish. My life has gone. Pick up yourself. Your life is not gone. I said your life is not gone. You're going to press on. and Oh my God. I said you're going to press on. You're going to reach forward. You're going to go all the way and fulfill the destiny God has for you. If I'm talking to you this morning, come on, shout hallelujah. He picked himself up and he inquired of the Lord. Yeah, he takes an encouraged fellow to commune. He said, what shall I do? And the Lord spoke. He said, pursue overtake and recover all. I don't know who I've come to talk to this morning. God says it's time to pick yourself up. It's time to pursue. Your life is not finished. That affliction cannot finish you. Take your eyes off the affliction. Set your eyes on Jesus. The author and the finisher of your faith. Be encouraged. Commune with your father. Let him give you instruction. Oh, he will release a rema word. Hey, that was David's rema. Pursue, overtake, and recover all. God told me, he said, there's a word for your now. There's a word for your season. You will not stay in discouragement, but you're going to pick up yourself encouraged by the Lord, ready to take over the territory meant for you. You will not give up. You will not cave in. Oh, you will not cast down your hope. You will raise up your head. Lift up your head. I'm not finished. I have a future. Affliction arose. But God says it's okay. Because I have a word that cannot be overthrown by affliction. No affliction can overcome it. The Bible says David went after them. He pursued, he overtook, and he recovered all. That affliction is the opportunity for greater glory. We do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And that takes us back to the first point. We do not see earthly things. We are citizens of heaven. Our success is not defined by the natural. So if anything happens in the natural, we are saying, hi. And from that high position, we come back and fix the natural. We cannot be discouraged. We are encouraged by the Lord. We know what to do. The weight of affliction. Affliction 
He always come in this world. John 16, 33 says, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. What about this? My word has overcome the world. The fight is a fight of my word. It's a fight of faith. Don't take it personal. Let the word fight. It's called the sword of the spirit. The word will win. The word knows how to win. So in spite of the affliction, maintain your position. I will not allow affliction to stop my progress. I will not allow affliction to stop my movements. I will not allow the affliction to stop my running the race. For many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord, I said the Lord, delivers him out of them all. Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily beset you. Have you been blessed this morning? I lay aside every weight. I'm ready to run. <laughs> On the mark, go. Let's start running. I'm encouraged. I'm ready. Can you tell me all the weights I've dealt with? Weight of what? Then second one. Weight of what? Performance. There's a weight of the law. I'm serious. And Christ has redeemed us from what? The cause of the Lord. I don't need to perform to be approved. I've been accepted. Somebody scream, I've been accepted. So your acceptance is not based on your performance. So, weight of the law. The third weight. Weight of your past. You missed it in the past. Then what? He said, remember not the former things. Consider the things of the whole. I will do a new thing. His mercies are new every morning. In other words, it's a brand new mercy. So it's a brand new mercy. Why am I dealing with the past then? I let go of the past and move into my future. Four. Wrong association. Wrong association. So any alliance that is not consistent with your design, what do you do? You drop it. You cut it. Time to take out your scissors and start cutting some relationship. You will not grant my destiny. I'm a man on a mission. I'm going somewhere. You are a weight to me. I need people that will let me fly. The fifth one. Ambition. For I know the thoughts which I have towards you. God already has a plan. And I trust his plan. Rather than going for what seems right, I will go for what is perfect. His plans for me are what? Perfect. They are exact. They are precise. They are according to design. I will rather run with that than trust my mind. I acknowledge him in all my ways and he directs my path. And the sixth one, weight of affliction. No affliction will hold me down. There is a destiny God has for me. I'm running towards my future. I'm fulfilling my destiny. I will not be held down 
this affliction is, is a light one and it will work for my glory. Lift up your hands unto heaven. Can you take this quickly aside? The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are located at Kingsword Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop, off Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email kmiafrica at kingsword.org. Telephone 234-810-00-00640.